0: (laughs) All right. Let's do this. Hey guys, I'm Parker Kane. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Upbeat. I share a lot of motivational stuff and info on social media, music, and entertainment, but I will also be sharing my personal experiences and interviewing all kinds of other people for their stories and their experiences, finding and pursuing what they really love to do. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to Upbeat. I'm your host Parker Kane. Thank you for being here and for listening in. I appreciate it. Today I am joined by a phenomenal guest, entrepreneur, world traveler, mentor, speaker, and best-selling author, Michael Dash. And you can get his best-selling book, Chasing the High, on his website, michaelg-dash.com/book. And dash is spelled out D-A-S-H. So michaelg-dash.com/book. And he mentions in the interview too uh, that you can download a couple chapters for free, just so you can take. Take a peek at it and see if it's something you're interested in, uh, which is super awesome. So I'd highly encourage you to at least get those couple of chapters for free. Michael is also the founder of a program called Fate, F-A-T-E, from addict to entrepreneur, where he helps leaders regain control of their lives and businesses by overcoming their addictive behaviors. You can find out more about that as well as all of his social media links on his website, michaelg With that said, guys, let's get into the interview. I'm excited to welcome to the show today an incredible guest, a talented entrepreneur, a world traveler, a mentor and speaker, and honestly, a real strong, genuine guy, Michael Dash. Michael, thank you very much for being here with me on Upbeat today. Yes,
1: let's do it.
0: <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. <laughs>
1: It's called Upbeat, isn't it? I mean, it is called Upbeat.
0: It is called Upbeat. I love the enthusiasm. And because Upbeat is a motivational podcast or a passion-based podcast, uh, I wanted to kick things off first by asking you the question, what are you passionate about or what's like your number one passion?
1: I am passionate about everything I do. But what I'm super excited about now is the new program that I've launched on my platform called FATE from addict to entrepreneur, F-A-T-E, where I am we're mentoring business leaders and entrepreneurs who are dealing with addictive and compulsive behaviors to help them step back in to the leader, spouse, and friend that they truly were meant to be. That's what I'm super passionate about right
0: now. Awesome, and would you say uh, that that passion, I guess, has really developed over time and through uh, your own experiences, things that you've gone through? definitely
1: um you know the downs just make the ups so much more exciting and so much more to be passionate about when you can overcome a challenge right when you when the the I read this book by Ryan Holiday it's called the obstacle is the way and it truly is the only way through any challenge or obstacle is through it not around it not under it not over it so as painful as it might be, as challenging as it might be, as many setbacks as you might have, once you get through it, then you're that much more passionate to move forward.
0: I love that. Thank you very much for that. That that definitely resonated with me, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with all of the listeners. <laughs> really good advice. Also, another thing I like to do on UpBeats before we dive into your career and the things that you're really up to right now is learn more about you and maybe your upbringing and childhood and some of the trials you've gone through. So could you share with us maybe what little Michael was like and how you've progressed to become who you are today?
1: Oh yeah. Baby Michael was like at the (laughs) New Jersey diner, uh, leaving my parents' table and climbing on other people's table and eating their food. Uh, So those are the stories my mom tells me at least. Um, And you know, as I was very growing up, I was very much into like the sports. Uh, I was a good student, not a great student. I was like a B, B plus student, but I was very involved in school uh, and doing different events and stuff. So I became president of the student council. You know, I, I planned the prom. I did all the things, um, excuse me, that you do to put on your resume to get in a good college, right? Did the three sports, you know. Played uh, some soccer, some football, ran track. I ran a lot. I mean, my last name's Dash, so I really have no choice. <laughs> I was, uh, so, was going to
0: ask if that was your real uh, last name or not. <laughs> that is
1: my real last name. Uh, and and uh, I thank my grandparents for it because they changed it, uh, or my great-grandparents changed it when they came over from uh, Russia and Romania. Uh, it used to be Dashevsky, and they changed it to Dash. God bless their soul. I thank <laughs> them
0: every day for that. <laughs> that is awesome. No, but, that's a really cool name. Yeah,
1: but... But um, what happened is I was actually introduced to gambling at 11 years old by my uncle at Thanksgiving dinner. And I won the first bet that I made, and I was immediately drawn to it. And I became just encapsulated and enthralled and just mesmerized with gambling. And I was gambling 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. My dad was an entrepreneur, so he had me working in his warehouse at an early age he had an import export business and a retail store where he sold collectibles and fine china so like if you think of like swarovski crystals or like um any any sort of china uh, the names probably your audience may not know but it's like swarovski and waterford and baccarat and lalique and yadro i like rolling my R's. um so um <laughs> So like all that stuff, like I know way too much about that stuff, but uh, I grew up in that environment and all the guys gambled in the warehouse. So they were taking bets for me. I was betting on football games when I was 12, 13, 14, whatever I would make from working at the store, I would gamble. And then they would also take me to the racetrack, which was right about 30 to 40 minutes down Route 17 in New Jersey from my father's store. So I became an addict at an early age, although I didn't know I was at that time, but I became a gambling addict at an early age.
0: And and your, your addiction to gambling lasted, what was it like 20, 20, years? 20 years. Yeah. So how does one, after being addicted to something for that long, how does one, I guess, get out of that, that hole or, or learn I guess, a new way of life that doesn't involve that.
1: Yeah, yeah, very slowly. Um, But um, I I actually went to Gambler's Anonymous. It was a trip I took with my brother where we were heading back to Thanksgiving again. Everything kind of happens around Thanksgiving for whatever odd reason. (laughs) And he wouldn't let me listen to sports radio in the car. And we argued back and forth, and he told me he couldn't listen to it because he started going to Gambler's Anonymous. And I said to him, um, you know, you're going where? Like, why are you going there? It's for degenerate. It's, it's for losers. But after the three and a half hour car ride and just listening to music, it was actually very soothing and calming. My mind wasn't racing at 100 miles an hour. So after that drive, I really thought to myself and I said, you know what? I want to check out this Gambler's Anonymous and see what it did to my brother. And so based off of that, I went to a meeting. And then I never gambled again. Now it was much harder. It's not as easy as it sounds. Like I went back every week. I worked the steps. I got a sponsor, but I never gambled again. And I've been clean 14 years um, now. In terms of like figuring out life, that was a whole other story. But at least at that point, I
0: wasn't gambling. Awesome, love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and while we're on the topic of addiction there were some other things too in your life um at least from what i from what i understand uh with drug addiction could you share with us more on that
1: sure uh so in in high school i was a pretty clean cut kid i really uh maybe tried marijuana like once or twice in high school but i really wasn't around that crowd and that crowd was definitely around uh but when I went to college is when I really started experimenting. I went to a small high school, graduating class of 89, and then I went to the University of Maryland, which had 30,000 people. So, it was a drastic change and you know, my roommate, uh one semester break, he got shot with a 357 magnum oh, by his wow. ex-girlfriend. Dang. And yeah, crazy. And it blew out his tricep actually, they had to like operate on his leg to put some ligaments back in his tricep. And it was crazy, um, but we, ca- I came back from spring break and he had all these drugs in his room from the surgery. And so we just started, you know, he was just telling me what everything was. He's like, try this, this will make you feel this way. And then, oh, try this one. This will take the edge off a little bit. It'll make you feel even better. And, you know, I started with popping pills, uh, all sorts of different pills. And then that moved on to cocaine and um, GHB. And I really had, at the time, I was still gambling. So I was gambling and doing a lot of drugs. And I had that entrepreneurial spirit in me from an early age because of my father. So I decided, well, why do drugs if I could deal drugs? And why take bets if I, I mean, why make bets if I could take bets? So I became a bookie and a drug dealer in college. And. Uh, you know, I was very fortunate not to get caught because my life would be completely different today. But I was definitely an addict and I was in it. And I was also going door to door, selling home improvements because I had this, uh, amongst all of those addictions, the true addiction was money in all of it. I was addicted to the dollar. I wanted to make every single dollar I could possibly make. And whether it was, I didn't want to be in the right state of mind doing it. And that's where it all, what it all boiled down to because I needed money to gamble, I needed money for drugs, and I wanted more of it. And I, I had a very adversarial relationship with money actually. So I went through that whole period and eventually uh, graduated and got a job in New York City. And I was do- gambling and doing cocaine like every weekend. Um, I, I, well, the one thing I didn't do is I really didn't do a lot of these drugs during the week. I smoked pot every night. but I wasn't doing cocaine during the week. I wasn't doing, um, I was gambling every day, but the cocaine was like a weekend thing for me, which is very fortunate for me because I would not have been able to, you know, maintain, uh, like be a normal person, even though I wasn't normal, but like, (laughs) yeah, I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, so I always had a pride in my job and I always wanted to be the best I could be. And I was always very good at sales. So, I was doing great in the city. I was working at a recruiting firm. And, um, you know, I was I was just always successful in sales. So I was able to kind of maintain that lifestyle.
0: Wow. That's a lot that you've been through, man. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that with us, with, with myself and the upbeat listeners. Um, I want to ask too, how do you, again, like kind of with the idea of addiction or the topic that we're on. You know, I I think everyone struggles with it in some way or another, but as someone who has overcome addiction, and I I believe now, too, you have, uh, for over five years, hosted your own addiction recovery uh, as well. So as someone who has overcome it himself and has helped other people overcome addiction, what are some key lessons or advice that you can share with us uh, that could help anyone else out there? Uh, who may be listening, who is also struggling with with addiction in, in something? Yeah, I think the first thing is there's nothing to be ashamed about. As addicts, we hide
1: behind the addiction, and we are ashamed of ourselves and our behavior. But the more you open up, the more you receive. So in order to actually overcome anything, you have to take that first step and show some vulnerability and be authentic. And then you will get that back, and that's the same with addiction. So you have to, number one, have self-recognition that you actually have a problem and you want help. Until you get to the self-recognition stage, if people started telling me when I was in the addiction, you need to stop this, you need to do that, you need to do this, it would have been met with resistance. So you have to be open to hearing other ideas and know that there is another way to live. And it is completely within your grasp. But action is the only thing that will change that. So self-recognition is the first step. Tap into your curiosity. Try shifting a half an hour a day, just a small shift, a half an hour a day of something that you're doing that you're addicted to. Cut a half an hour out of it and do something else, whether it's going outside for a run or a hike, whether it's, you know, getting together and, uh, in a meditation group, you know, uh, some people don't like meditation, but whether it's going to a sound bath, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, just getting out for a walk in the woods, in on in, uh, in the mountain, um, or going down to the ocean, if you're near either of those, or wa- I love waterfalls, I'm infatuated with them, they bring this sense of calmness to me, the roar of the waterfall and the gentleness of the water at the same time, it kind of like reminds me of myself. Um so doing any of those things reading um you know anything that quiets the mind you know is the first step to helping you overcome these addictions.
0: Thank you. No, that is that is really awesome. I love what you said too about uh whatever people want like their dreams, their goals, it's completely within their grasp. I love that idea. I've been uh you know lately on the podcast and some of my individual episodes I've been talking more about Uh, goals and finishing 2019 strong and not giving up on 2019 yet. And then as we start thinking about 2020 and making goals, there's realizing that we write our own stories. And if we want something, it is in our grasp.
1: 100%. And and I have to tell myself this all the time because I'm, uh, you know, just like anybody else, you know, we all have our ups and downs. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, but no, there's, there, there, there is, there could be no tomorrow. I mean, I just lost a friend last week who was 34 years old. Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Tomorrow to hear that. is
1: not guaranteed. Thank you. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. I have to remind myself that. So you know, I, I, what I found is, uh, you know, affirmations, positive affirmations, can be so helpful. I used to think they were so cheesy. I'm like, who does that? Like, I'm going to talk to myself in the mirror. It's ridiculous. But they actually can be extremely helpful. And there's several apps out there that are free then they're like affirmation apps. They just help me get in the right mental spot to really uh you know have a great day.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I need to I need to personally <laughs> work on that and that's something we haven't talked about on the podcast yet um affirmations and positivity. I love that. Thank you. Um kind of I guess transitioning topics here a little bit uh, somewhat how, how does one go from, you know, a teen struggling with addiction to then being a president and CEO of a company? Because you also were the pre- former president and CEO of Parallel HR Solutions Incorporated, uh, and there were trials there as well. So could you share with us kind of your journey to becoming that and then maybe some of the struggles you had while there and the lessons you learned?
1: Sure. Uh, I was in New York City. I was working in the staffing business. I was working with my best friend that I grew up with, actually. He was the president. I was director of business development. And uh, I was calling on a company called E-Trade Financial, which was much more popular back then than it is now. But it's, it's still a very successful firm. And they said to me, we don't have any business for you here, Michael, in the New York, New Jersey area. However, if you know somebody in Sandy, Utah, we are trying to hire 200 financial service representatives in the next three and a half weeks. License series seven and 63, and we need help. It was almost like God was speaking to me because I knew one person outside of the metropolitan area who was in staffing, and she happened to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. So I called her up, we had worked together for one year before in New York, And I called her up and I said, hey, I have this great opportunity with this company. I'm going to put a bid in on this project. Do you want in with me? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And we put a bid in on the project and we worked very hard uh, all day Sunday. I remember it clear as day. Turned it in about 6 p.m. Sunday uh, evening. And Monday at 11 a.m., I get a call from the uh, head of HR. And she said, "Uh, Michael, we accept your bid. Let's get going. Awesome. And I was like, uh, holy cow. <laughs> so I took my two-week vacation from my current company because, remember, they didn't want any business that wasn't in metropolitan areas. So I said, look, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, and I know I'm going to run my company one day. I'm going to go follow this opportunity out to Utah. And I left, left everybody in my family, all my friends. I knew one person in Utah, and I moved out to Utah. And we started Parallel HR, and I started with my ex-business partner. And we were flying along, we were building it for five years straight. We added a million dollars. We were up to five and a half million in revenue. Me and her started butting heads. She was wanting to spend more time with her kids. I was working longer. She was working six hours a day. I was working 12 hours a day. So we weren't aligned and eventually I bought her out. Uh, and within six months, uh, you know, I had found out after I paid 1.35 million for the company, of which I paid her a million up front, of which I didn't have all of that, so I had to borrow half of it. I owed her 350 k and I found out that she was having an affair with the director of my India office. Oh and I didn't know this when I bought the company. So immediately my India office was against me, even though I was running the show now and she wasn't even here. But she was taking trips to India and seeing him and pulling him out of work. And he was my director. Like, I needed this guy to work for me. So uh what ended up happening is the first payment I owed her, I, t- I sent her a letter. Uh, I said, look, I'm doing an in- internal investigation. I feel like you violated the co- contract. And from that, she sued me. And that started a six-year lawsuit back and forth. That cost me, it was all over 350 k but it cost me over $1 million in legal fees.
0: Wow. That's that's crazy. And at the time, were you struggling with any of your other addictions too, or was this after all of that?
1: Oh, no, I was struggling. Uh, I had stopped doing
0: cocaine about
1: midway through being in Utah, uh, but I had discovered Adderall. The people in Utah did a lot of Adderall, and they introduced me to it. I had never done it before or heard of it. But when I did, I I automatically loved it. I would crush work. I would get so much done in the office. I would feel like I was Superman. Nobody could stop me. Nobody could hold me back. And so I was popping Adderall every day in the morning to wake up and smoking marijuana every day at night to go to sleep. It was this constant emotional high, emotional low. And really messing my equilibrium and everything. So I would have these high mood swings and low mood swings and ultimately, I became really, really addicted to Adderall, and I couldn't really control my reactions. I would overreact to situations. I wasn't leading my employees from a place of empathy. I was leading them from a place of like anger and distress almost, of like, we have to close every single deal. I have all these lawyer, pays to, uh, lawyer bills to pay. Mm-hmm. And I don't really tell them about the lawsuit, but that was what was going on in my mind. That's how I justified my actions to myself. Because I had I'd like just building up so much with these lawyer fees. And my ego was in the way. I was not ready to let it go. I wasn't looking at the long term uh plan of my life and I was so concerned with winning. All that mattered was winning until it didn't. Until I six years later Realize that when I'm dead and buried, nobody, nobody will care whether I won or lost this lawsuit. Nobody will even know about it. So, you know, I'm fast forwarding through everything, but I ended up selling the business and settling my lawsuit last year in June in the same week. After six years and 1.35 million it costed me.
0: That's definitely some hard, hard situations to go through are, I mean, now, now that that is over, I'm sure you feel extremely relieved. What are, what are kind of your ideas and plans now moving forward?
1: Yeah, I capture the entire story and all the lessons I learned that your audience could definitely incorporate into their routines in my book called chasing the high. It was an Amazon bestseller. It was released in June of this year. I have a chapter in there called The The Habit of Habit Making, which talks about how important it is to make habits in your life. But as you continue to grow as a human and evolve, it's important that your habits evolve with you and you change out old habits for the newer, fresher habits that are really driving you to get to your goals. There's also a chapter in there about flow. Flow changed my life. Three years ago, I went to a trip in Bali, and I heard two people talking, Jackie Ketchell and Justin Foreman. Uh, they run the Flow Consciousness Institute. You can find them online. And they all talk about living a, an effortless life by following your intuition and making decisions from your heart, not your head. And if it's not a hell yes in your life, it should be an F no in everything that you do. And I never followed that concept in my life. I never even thought of life that way. I did so many things that it wasn't a heck yes. Sorry if this is PG rated, but I try to keep it clean.
0: (laughs) No, you're good. Okay.
1: So I, you know, I never viewed life like that, but they, uh, and then they had this whole program and I resisted it. I didn't believe a word they said. uh, And then I decided I was going to take their program because I was just miserable. You know, I was running a, a company that was running me. I was stuck in this lawsuit for, you know, six years at the time. And I just didn't think I, there was any way out for me. And I was stuck in this life that from the outside looked great, from the inside was filled with chaos, turmoil, and unhappiness. And we went through this process in their course about, um, uh, you know, clearing out your limiting beliefs through uh, tapping and EMDR and some other exercises, and uh, and then implanting positive beliefs. And it really changed the trajectory of my thinking. And my life started changing. And, uh, you know, eventually I, I, it led me to selling and settling and then writing this book. And then now I've taken the momentum of the book and I developed a platform called FATE, F-A-T-E. I mentioned it in the beginning. From addict to entrepreneur. So there's two sides of the platform. One is that I interview former addicts who are now entrepreneurs, talk about their struggles, how they overcame what their businesses now, and how they're giving back. And I write articles for Thrive Global and Medium. Thrive is Ariana Huffington's publication. And you can find the series on there. And then the second part of it is that I coach and mentor other leaders, business leaders, whatever leaders there might be, and entrepreneurs who are struggling with addiction or struggling with compulsive behaviors that are really holding them back, holding them stuck on that hamster wheel of running in place, of always doing, 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 but meaning meaningless tasks that they're doing all day so they feel productive, but they're actually not getting anywhere. And I help them overcome these types of behaviors to step into the true leader that they are, the true spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend that they are, have the true relationships and friendships that they're meant to have. And uh, that, that's a three-month program that you know anybody in your audience who's interested in learning more can contact me directly with. I'd be glad to set up a call with them uh, to see how I might be able to contribute.
0: Thank you for offering that. Yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone to do that. And I, I personally haven't uh, looked into your book yeah, so I, I'd love to get Chasing the High and, and learn all the lessons that are in there for sure.
1: Yeah, you got to get it. Chasingthehighbook.com. It'll take you right to the uh, Amazon page. And if you go on my website, you could actually download two free chapters if you want to just get a taste of it. My website is www.michaelgdash.com.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. And I'd encourage all the listeners to do that as well. Um, how much, I guess, would you say learning about flow and meditation, uh, how much of an impact has that had on your life and how do you apply those things in your daily life today?
1: It's had a huge impact. It got me out of these negative thought patterns. Uh, now they come back from time to time. I mean, we're all human, but they put me on a path of a transformation and of understanding that I was put on this earth to have the impact. And for me at the time, like finding a software engineer who was making $100,000, $120,000 job, wasn't really having the true impact I want to have on society. Yeah, it, it you know, I helped that person, but they could find that job on their own. They don't need me. But actually helping an entrepreneur or a leader who has like multiple decisions they're making all day long and actually regain control of their thought process of their recognition, tapping back into their curiosity that they had as a child but they've lost as an adult. Because they're going from one thing to another to another to another, and really finding activities that elevate them and that elevate their mind and body. Because if they don't take care of themselves, how are they going to lead others? You know, that's what it's really helped me with—to—to to come to the recognition that I went through all the things I went through so other people wouldn't, so they can learn from my mistakes.
0: That's an uh, an amazing perspective. Uh... Wow. Yeah. I just think everyone could benefit by, by, by trying to change their perspective to that one where it's like, yeah, you're going through hard things, but you can always get out of it. And then more than just getting out of it, you can turn it into something that inspires other people. And imagine like how different life would be, you know, if you got on Instagram and scrolled through and all you saw were people's real stories of how they overcame certain obstacles It'd be a completely different platform, you know, using, using social media and seeing the motivational stories instead of all, all the glamour and the pretending. Exactly.
1: We're, we all do it. We all do it. But yeah, it's really what I'm stepping into now, uh, really talking about my story more, being on these social platforms to let them know about the struggles, that the struggles are real, that people go through them. You know, they might not want to comment on them or say anything, but they listen to them. And they nod their head in the background. Uh, but there are people out there who need help. And, you know, getting past that ego, I used to have this problem of asking for help. Like, I just didn't want to, I don't know why. I, I, I gave help all the time. But when it came to me asking for help, I didn't, my ego wouldn't allow me to, like, even show any little crack of weakness. I'm a CEO. How can I be weak? If I show weakness, my team won't believe in me. My clients won't believe in me. You know, nobody will believe in me. So I can't show any weak. I have to be stoic. And, um, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, what you're taught as a boy and a man is like, you know, oh, you get knocked down. Well, just dust yourself off and get back up. There's no crying. Then don't cry. It's these stories that we're told that we, you know, get stuck in our head. But we're just like anybody else. We all have feelings, all the emotions, you know, crying is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength.
0: I love that. And I think people need uh, to work on building their confidence too. Do you, do you have any insight or advice as to how, cause I mentioned to you earlier too, before we, before we hit record on this thing um, that the, the listenership of this, of this podcast is a lot of like college kids and people right out of college And they struggle, man. They struggle with, I mean, they doubt themselves. They're discouraged. They feel like they have no idea what they're doing or where they're going next. And a lot of them, believe it or not, feel like they're out of time and like they don't have their life figured out already at 23 years old. So what are they going to do? And I think it all just comes from a lack of confidence. So how can we build ourselves to be more confident?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, when I came out of school, I didn't have anything figured out either. And in fact, I still don't 20 years later. So, uh, you know, we're all in this game of life together, right? I always used to say, fake it until you make it. And there's a certain part of that that's true. When you come out of college, just, you know, what you want, if you have an interest, go after it full force. Just be humble about it. You know, take a job where you can learn from somebody, get a mentor. So one thing I've been missing the majority of my life is a mentor. Which is why I enjoy being a mentor for others so much because I never had one growing up. I learned the hard way. I made all these mistakes. I didn't have somebody to really bounce ideas off of. Even though my father was an entrepreneur and I bounced some ideas off of him, he really had no idea about my business. He wasn't about, he didn't know about technology. You know, this wasn't around in his day. So it's a different world. So it wasn't really relevant, but get a mentor and you know, show that you just want to learn. And you're going to get better. And every lesson you learn, incorporate that. And go above and beyond, right? Go above and beyond the person next to you. Then you'll stand out. And, you know, building that confidence, go and listen to some positive podcast. Listen to this podcast. Listen to, you know, guys like Lewis Howes, Chris Harder. He's got one called For the Love of Money. You know, listen to these people. Read, learn, and, and act right? Surround yourself with positive people who are doing better than you are, because naturally they're going to be talking about positive things. You're going to be sucked into a positive environment. And conversely, the same thing goes if you surround yourself with negative people, then you are going to start thinking negatively. If you're always around people who are, when it's cloudy out, who are telling you it's going to rain, then that's the perspective you're going to have. But if you're constantly around people when it's cloudy out saying, hey, the sun is about to break through, then you're going to have a more optimistic look. You're going to have more confidence by nature. So sometimes it's difficult to separate yourself from negative people. It was for me when I was gambling all those years, I was stuck with people who were gambling all the time. We talked about the same stuff all the time. It was all negative BS that meant nothing. But I thought they were my friends. So I realized I was going nowhere in life and I didn't want to live like this anymore. You know you can accomplish anything, and especially at a young age, you have so many years to accomplish things. I'm reinventing myself right now, and I'm in my 40s, That's so I'm awesome. starting a whole new yeah I'm starting a whole new career. After I had a somewhat successful career, you know, in staffing, uh, 20 years into it, I stopped, and now I'm doing I'm doing this, and I'm working because I feel like it'll have more impact. Again, helping entrepreneurs, helping leaders overcome these these compulsive behavior and
0: addictive uh, um, traits. That's amazing. It's really inspiring. Um, And real quick, uh, just based on what you said, do you have any real like brief advice as to how someone could go about getting a mentor?
1: Uh, That's a great question. Uh, So you have to seek it out. It could be parents, friends. If you have a parent's friend who's a successful business owner, Or is doing something that you want to do or you just see how they inspire you. Ask. Ask them. Could you mentor me? I want to learn from the best. I want to emulate what you're doing. The same thing in business. If you get a job and you interview with some big vice president, but you're like just a clerk or something or in the store somewhere, but you really admire what this person is doing and how they hold themselves, then ask them. Be like, I would love to learn from you. I want to learn because people innately want to help, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. And the worst thing they could say is, look, I'm really busy. I really don't have the time. And you know what your response could be? Well, what do I have to prove to you that I'd be worth you investing the time? And then they might say, well, go accomplish this and then come back to me. And then you have a goal and then you go accomplish it and then you get a mentor. So there's all different ways to do it, but the, the meaning behind it, the 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 one thing you have to do is ask and not be afraid of that rejection because life is
0: full of rejections.
1: Each no is that much closer to a yes.
0: So keep asking. Awesome. I I really love that. (laughs) Thank you for that. That's very good advice. Uh, I wanted to make sure we talk about, uh, you know, you overcoming back injuries and raising over $100,000 for LLS. Could you share with us more about those experiences and kind of what led you to do those things?
1: Sure. Uh, I've always been inspired to leave an impact and help others. And uh, I like doing epic things at the same time. So I had the opportunity. When I moved to Utah, I had entered the New York City Marathon, but I had never, and I got picked. It's a lottery system. So I, I never actually ran a marathon before. When I moved to Utah, it was my second or third day there. And I walked into a pizza shop and I saw this flyer where it said, you know, come raise money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and learn how to train for marathons. And I was like, oh my God, this is like amazing! I could raise money. I could do both things. They're both they both sound great. So I went to the meeting, and they immediately hooked me, and I started training for marathons with them. And I raised, uh, you know, five thousand dollars for each marathon. I did four marathons with them in five years. So I did New York City, I did Vancouver. Uh, Canada. I did Salt Lake City, Utah, and I did Anchorage, Alaska, and they were monumental. And then I had two back surgeries, so I kind of stopped running long distance. And my life continued going on with all the craziness that I uh, that I described earlier. And about I think it was in 2016. Somebody said, uh, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, do you want to come and a friend of mine? Do you want to come and climb Mount Kilimanjaro with us? We're raising money again for LLS." And I was like, "Not." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, I want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro." It just like hit me. It was like one of those things that was a hell yes right away. So I didn't know what I was getting myself into or anything, but my intuition kicked in and told me this is something I needed to do and it was a transformational experience for me and actually the cover of my book is a picture from the top of Mount Kilimanjaro when I got up to the top and climbed it
0: that's so cool
1: yeah and so through those uh thing, through all those events and the work that I was doing for leukemia lymphoma society I was nominated for their man woman of the year competition in 2016. Which is a ten-week fundraising event to raise as much money as you can for LLS in honor of this boy and girl of the year who were four and five years old. They both had leukemia, uh leukemia, and uh, you know, at first I hesitated to do it, and then I decided, you know what, I can't let these these. Two kids. I mean, they, they had these puppy dog faces, and like, I couldn't even believe, imagine going through leukemia at that age when you've done nothing wrong to anybody in your life. It just was like, oh my God. I was like, all right, I'm called to do this. I must do this. So I put a team together, and it was a crazy 10 weeks, and we ended up raising $75,000 in 10 weeks
0: Holy for, uh,
1: for LLS. So, um, so yeah, it was uh, you know all those events together that combined for over a hundred thousand dollars that I raised for them over like uh, uh, that period of time. So I always say, go and volunteer. If you're feeling bad about yourself, if you're feeling down on yourself, if you're feeling like self pity, if you're telling yourself those negative stories, having a pity party, go feed the homeless. Go volunteer. Go run or walk a 5K and raise money for leukemia or cancer or anything, okay? And spend time with survivors. Spend time with homeless. Spend time in other countries. And you will come back humbled and be thankful for everything that you have. And it will reinforce that these negative voices in our head are just that. They're voices that we make up that we listen to. We can flush those out and change those to positive voices, with positive podcasts, through meditation, through being active physically, through reading, being active mentally, and through doing all these things. It's all within our power. We're the ones who have to do something and take action. Just take a small step and start with a half hour of your day and carving out a half an hour differently today than you did yesterday. And things will slowly start to change and momentum will slowly start to build.
0: I love that this is an amazing episode, man. Thank you for all that you're <laughs> you're offering. This is awesome
1: oh as- absolutely absolutely glad to glad to offer
0: uh, so to clo- to kind of close out the show uh I have some like questions that are set questions I ask most every episode. If you could go back to a certain time in your life and give yourself advice, what time would you go back to, and what would you tell yourself?
1: Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> probably I would tell myself to not get involved in the lawsuit that I got involved with that just whether, whether my ex business partner was violating our contract or not, it's not worth it. Pay her and move forward and focus on the bigger picture and not deem yourself as the victim and as getting screwed because that's how I felt about the whole thing. So that's the advice I would give myself. And 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 on top of that, do not make emotional decisions. They always end in a bad place.
0: Love that. What's a dream that you've already achieved and then a dream that you still want to achieve?
1: A dream I've already achieved is building a fi- building a business, building a $5 million business, and being able to raise
0: over $100,000 for LLS.
1: Those are things that I've accomplished that I'm very proud of. A dream that I want to uh, accomplish is I want to get married, have kids, and have a family.
0: What qualities do you admire most uh, from your parents?
1: I admire my father's work ethic. He taught me everything I need to know about work ethic. He was the first one in and the last one out. He busted his ass every single day. and His methodology was you want to beat the competition, you outwork them. Now, I don't say that that's the best methodology, because I would say work smarter, not harder, if you can. Um, yeah. But if you can't, then work harder. But do one of the two. That's really the best trait for my father. For my mother, she, my mom's just really uh, a sweet woman um, who always means well. And I think, you know, how, what your intention is, is very important. And she always has a good intention.
0: What's the best thing about money and the worst thing about money?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a good person to ask because I have a a chapter in my book all about money. Like I devoted an entire chapter about money because my relationship with money um, really, it changed a lot. The chapter's called What is Money Anyway? Chapter four. But the best thing about money is that You can, with money, you can change lives. You can not only set your own life up, but you can change and impact others' lives. That's the best thing about money. The worst thing about money is that there is a belief amongst certain people out there that money will buy happiness, and that is not true. Happiness comes from within. Money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy happiness. I know tons of people with a lot of money who are empty souls inside.
0: Okay, last few ones. What's your favorite word? Or do you have a favorite word?
1: Activated.
0: Activated?
1: Yes. I started a nonprofit with a friend of mine. I co-founded it. He was a founder. It's called activated.life. We believe in positivity, authenticity, passion, empathy and resilience as the four co- five core principles that will allow you to live a fulfilled life.
0: That is awesome. That's a really that's a really good one. Thank you. Of course. Uh okay, so favorite TV show if you watch TV and then favorite social media platform.
1: Oh, favorite TV show. I mean, I loved Breaking Bad. It's over, but I loved it. I loved The Sopranos. You know, I like this show on Netflix called Peaky Blinders. I think those would be the favorites right there.
0: (laughs) It's a new list for me because I haven't seen any of those. (laughs) Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and right now I've got a friend who's really pushing me to watch Breaking Bad. (laughs) Yeah, you'll love Breaking Bad. And then a social media platform.
1: I mean, I don't, you know, favorite... They could all be exhausting if used the the wrong way. They can all be consuming, but they could also be positive if used in the proper ways. I would say my fa uh, my favorite's probably LinkedIn, although I'm more active on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm starting to focus on LinkedIn more. I think the content on more on LinkedIn is is more suited for business and like learning and like people achieving things and stuff like that, whereas Facebook's just a mess of everything, and Instagram is just people trying to show the greatest moment that they've ever had.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, and I'm working on my LinkedIn too, so I'll be sure to to head over there and connect with you.
1: Yeah, let's do that.
0: Awesome, well, thank you, uh, Michael, for being on the show. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to really get on the podcast?
1: No. um, I mean, I think I I, I left it all out there. Uh, You know, I have a,
0: there's a challenge, a
1: free challenge I have on Facebook. It's a seven-day Facebook challenge where it's completely free and it takes you through seven days of shifting your behavior patterns. We build out a circle of activity where you track your time and what you're doing, and then we tap into your curiosity to really Find an activity that you haven't tried in a while or you've never tried, and incorporate a half an hour of that into your day. See how that shifts for you, and then take that to connect with others. Reach out to three people that you haven't connected with in over a month or so, Tell them how important they are in their life. Check in with them. And then that connection always ends up building community. So it takes you through and we build out a circle of prosperity for you. So how you really want your day to run. So, uh, you know, head over to Facebook and you can find that seven day faith Facebook challenge. Um, and you know, you, hopefully you can leave that in the notes as well. And like I said, if anybody, you can reach me on all the social media platforms. Uh, you know, LinkedIn will be great, uh, Facebook and and Instagram. And um, if anybody wants a consultation call about my program, just reach out to me at michael at michaelg-dot-com. B-A-S-H.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this interview with Michael Dash on Upbeat. I appreciate you being here. I hope you gained a lot of new insight. I know I did. Uh, And I also wanted to remind you to check out Michael's website, michaelgdash.com, where you can find his book, Chasing the High, and find any information about him or his program, Fate from Addict to Entrepreneur. Also, please be sure to subscribe to or follow this podcast. It would mean the world to me. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you next week.